Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with looking for a righteous king, as we pick up in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 14. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. We're looking for a king to come who will reign in righteousness over the earth and will establish a true righteousness over the earth. And men will live together in peace. And they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks and they'll study war no more. And men will live together in righteousness, in peace. And there will not be a hungry person on the face of the earth when men diverts his military budgets to agricultural development. And that's exactly what the prophet says is going to happen. A world without greed. A world where the strong do not oppress the weak or the rich do not oppress the poor. But we're all love and experience the joy and the presence of God dwelling with men. What's so bad about that? I'll tell you, what to me would be a doomsday message would be to say, brethren, brace yourself. You gotta go on in this mess. There's no way out. That to me would be a doomsday prophet. But declare that this mess is soon coming to an end is not a doomsday message at all. It's a message of glory. It's a message of hope. And that's the message that I have to bear to you from God's word. Thank God that we're coming soon to the end of the chaos that man has created upon the earth. And we're going to see the establishment of God's righteous kingdom. The heaven, the heavens is God, the earth is Lord, everything that is in it. And he's going to lay claim to it very soon. Only the Lord had a delight in your fathers to love them. And he chose their seed after them, even you. Therefore, you've been stiff-necked, you've been rebellious, but now he declares, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart. Now, the rite of circumcision was given to Abraham, and it was intended as a spiritual thing. The idea was that you were cutting off the flesh life. You weren't to live after the flesh. You were to live after the spirit. And it was the mark of a people who were to be a spiritual people or people who were spiritually oriented and spiritually minded. In contrast to the natural man of the world who is always materialistically minded and mindful of his physical material needs. God's people weren't to be a people dominated by the materialistic things, by the fleshly things. They were to be a people that were dominated by spiritual things, and the sign of that spiritual covenant with God was circumcision. Now, they kept the covenant in a physical way, but not in a spiritual way. And Paul brings out the whole inconsistency of the ritual apart from the reality. 
And it's possible for people today to have certain religious rituals but not have any reality of a relationship with God. Going through the rituals, going through the motions, and that was the church of Ephesus. They were still going through the motions, but they didn't have the emotion. Jesus said, you've left your first love. And it's very possible today for people to be in the same status as the children of Israel in which they were depending upon the outward ritual when in reality God was interested in the inward work in the heart. And so he said, circumcise therefore the flesh of your heart. And Paul picks this up in Romans, the second chapter, and says the true circumcision is not of the flesh but of the heart. My heart alienated from a life of the flesh. My heart no longer longing after the things of the flesh, but a heart that is now after God. And as David, as the deer panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for thee as in a dry and a parched land. Oh, that's the kind of people God is looking for. Those who are spiritually minded, spiritually oriented, who are thirsting after God in their heart and in their life and wanting to live a spiritual life that is dedicated unto Him. So the encouragement towards the spiritual life. For the Lord your God is a God of gods. He is a Lord of lords, a great God, mighty and awesome. The word terrible is an archaic word as far as our language goes. It means awesome, which regards not persons nor takes reward. The word terrible has had a change of meaning through usage in the English language since the King James translation. And so the, the word, you would better translate it awesome. We think of terrible as, as, as a, you know, something that is tragic, horrible, Grotesque, right, but it's uh, archaic. So awesome, God. Now, love, therefore, the stranger, and reverence the Lord thy God. Him shalt thou serve, to him thou shalt cleave, and swear by his name. He is thy praise, he is thy God, He has done for thee these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. So the encouragement to reverence God, serve God, praise God, love God. Turn your lives over to God. In chapter 11, he continues his warnings to them as they are about to come into the land. And he reminds them again of the miracles that God did for them in bringing them out of Egypt how he spoiled the Pharaoh and all of his land, how he destroyed the armies of Egypt there in the Red Sea, and how he watched over them, nurtured them, kept them, preserved them all through the wilderness right up to this moment. And what he did to those that rebelled against him, Dathan and Byram, how the earth opened and swallowed them up. Your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. You've watched God work. Therefore, you're to keep all of his commandments, which I command you this day. Be strong, go in, and possess the land. 
that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give to them, a land that flows with milk and honey. The land where you go to possess is not the land of Egypt from which you came out, where you sowed your seed and had to water it with your foot like a garden of herbs. But it's a land where you're going to get sufficient rain, where there will be plenty of streams and rivulets and so forth, drinking water, the rain from heaven, a land that your Lord cares for. And this I love. This particular spot of land is a land that the Lord cares for. And the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it. I always, I always like to think of this scripture when I'm over in Israel. Hey, I'm right in the area where God's always looking. The eyes of the Lord are always upon this particular spot of land. It's a, it's a land that God cares for. Now, it really isn't the most beautiful land in the world. I've been in a lot of places that I think are more beautiful than Israel as far as physical beauty. Really, the state of California. You get up into the high Sierras, up around Yosemite and, and all, and you've got beauties that are unparalleled as far as there's nothing in Israel to compare with those things. But yet it is a land that God had purposed to fulfill his plan of redemption for mankind. And thus it is a land that God was interested in. It's a land that he cares for because in this land his son was to be born. In this land his son was to walk. In this land his son was to die. And thus God was interested in this land. His eyes are always upon it. From the beginning of the year, even to the end of the year. Now it will come to pass, if you hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then God will give you the rain in its due season, first and the latter rain, that you may gather your corn and your wine and your oil. And I'll send the grass in the fields for your cattle, that you may eat and be full. So when you come in, as long as you love God and serve God, God's going to bless you. The land will be blessed. You'll have rain in its season, the early, the latter rain. You'll have green grass in the field for your cattle. You'll have good crops. One requirement, just love God and serve God with all your heart, with all your soul. But take heed that your heart is not deceived, that you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath will be kindled against you. And he shut up the heavens, that there be no rain, and the land will not yield their fruit, lest you perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord gives you. Therefore lay up these words in your heart and in your soul. Bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they might be as frontlet between your eyes. In other words, Remember this. Now, the interesting thing, again, you can get into a ritual, but you can, in the ritual, forget the meanings. And they still go through the ritual of binding their phylacteries. They go through the ritual of, of binding the little law upon their hand. 
binding the little box with the law upon their foreheads. The mezuzahs on their door and the kissing of the mezuzah, they go through the whole ritual thing, but that's all it is, is a ritual. There is no real serving God and loving God with all their hearts and souls. The ritual has substituted for that. And we must beware lest we allow a ritual to substitute for reality. It's a deception. They were warned that they should not be deceived and go worshiping other gods. Though the warning came, yet they did not heed the warning. And thus, even as God pronounced the judgments that should come, they did come because God's word is true. Teach them to your children. Speak to them when you're sitting down at the table, when you're lying down in the room at night, when you're walking with them in the path. Write them upon the doorpost of your house and upon your gates. I think that it's great to have mottos around the house, scriptures pasted up on the walls. For you ladies, on your mirrors, you might have the scripture. <laughs> Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but the woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. That around the house, we have the word of God. God is saying, look, put it all over the place. Write it out there, this is good graffiti. <laughs> we have a fellow in our church who designs heart pacers and has designed some of the most sophisticated heart pacers that are in the entire industry. Little computers that are the size of a quarter that can be implanted under the skin and, and remain operational for 20 years. And the other night he brought me the big design sheets for this new computerized heart pacer that'll be about the size of a quarter. And he was laying them out in my office and showing me uh, these big layout sheets. They take photographs of these big layout sheets and put them on these little tiny silicon chips and all. And then they lay the chips one on top of the other and you have just a, a miniature computer the size of a quarter. It'll constantly monitor your heartbeat and as soon as your heartbeat drops down below 57 or 56 or wherever the doctor wants to set it, then this little computer, when it, it's monitoring your heart, when it drops below that, it kicks on and starts throwing an electrical charge at your heart to keep the beat up to, a, to whatever standard the doctor wants it. Once it's implanted, he's got a little system where the doctor can just with a magnet change the uh, computer from the outside. And it's a very sophisticated little thing, but he was showing me these layout sheets with all of the little circuitry designs within it. But in all of this circuitry design, he's got Romans 10, 9 and 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Maranatha doves, fish, John 3.16, and, and all kinds of scriptures. Jesus is love and God loves you and all. All of this are all imprinted in, in these 
little miniature microchips for the computer. Takes an electron microscope to see them, but he says, I figure whoever gets one of these heart pacers is going to have the Word of God hidden away in his heart. <laughs> Man, I just, I had fits in the office when I was looking at those. I love it. I love that kind of stuff. All of a sudden, guy turns good and he doesn't know why, you know. <laughs> So put these words in your heart, he says, and in your soul. Put them around the place that they might be reminders to you and to your children to walk after the Lord. It was the Lord that gave you the land. And if you serve him and love him, you'll remain and continue in the land. But if you forsake him, you'll be driven from the land. For if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments, verse 22, that I command you, and to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to cleave to him, then will the Lord drive out all of the nations from before you, and ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours, from the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river to the river Euphrates, even to the uttermost sea shall your coast be. Actually, they never did conquer all that God had given to them. They never did possess all that was theirs by God's divine decree. I think that there's an unfortunate parallel in our lives. I don't think that we ever possess all that God has for us or all that God would do for us. It's there, all we have to do by faith is go in and claim it and take it, and yet all of us come short of the glory of God, that which God would do for us if we would just step in and take. It's tragic that when the borders were so expanded by God, and all you have to do is possess it, that they failed to possess all that God had given, even as it's tragic that we so often fail to possess all that God has given. Now, many times we fail to possess for different reasons, intellectual limitations, restrictions that we have placed upon God by our presuppositions. So many reasons why we fail to enter into the fullness that God has for our lives. There will be no one that will be able to stand before you because God is going to be with you. But he said, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord, a curse if you will not obey. That's always the way it is. God sets before you the blessing and the curse. It's your choice. You can choose the path of God's blessing in your life. You can choose a path that will lead to God's curse upon your life. Now, it isn't that God curses you. It is the curse is already on that manner of life. God is warning you that that manner of life will, has a curse already upon it. Now, if you are constantly warning a person that the path that he is taking is leading to a pit of quicksand, and as he's going down the path, everyone he meets says, oh, be careful, down the pathways there's a pit of quicksand. You can't go past it. And the guy keeps going. And as he gets there, someone says, hey, be careful, don't go out there. That's quicksand. You'll, you'll get lost. You know, you'll, you'll suck in. But he ignores all the warnings. 
He continues on that path. And he gets mired in the quicksand and, and gets caught in it and goes under. And as he's going under, he curses all of the people that he met along the path for not stopping him. Is that right? Of course it isn't. They warned him where the path was leading. Now look, God has warned you where your path is leading. If you disobey him, if you rebel against him, God said, hey, that path is leading to destruction. And he warns you all the way along the path. Now, if you go to destruction, it isn't that God sent you there. It's that you deliberately went there against all of God's endeavors to keep you from there. Actually, Jesus Christ, in a sense, has laid down before the gate of hell. And you've got to cross over his body to get there. You've got to trample underfoot the Son of God and count the blood of His covenant wherewith He was sanctified an unholy thing to get into hell. He's done everything to stop you, lying right down in your path, making you tramp over Him to get there. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study in the book of Deuteronomy on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Deuteronomy 10 through 11 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless you and watch over you this week. May his hand be upon your life to strengthen you, to guide you. May he use you as his instrument to do his work. May God fill you with love and with understanding, compassion, the Spirit. May you walk in the Spirit and be led of the Spirit of God this week. Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. As I look around for a godly example of what a Christian woman should be, I see a lot of women who are concerned about what they look like. But rarely do I see a woman who desires the reflection of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, Kay Smith has written a book for women entitled, Reflecting God. Kay teaches women godly attributes, such as how to be joyful when things aren't going so great, or how to be sincere when praying for others, 
or inspiring them, or how to nurture and influence the people God has placed around you. As Kay teaches God's attributes, women will begin to have the mind of Christ. And as this starts to happen within you, outwardly you will become a reflection of God to a world that desperately needs Him. For more information on how to order the book Reflecting God by Kay Smith, as well as an optional study guide to lead a women's Bible study, visit thewordfortoday.org to see a preview of this book or call us at 800-272-WORD.